Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And we're back after our little summer break. It was like just Dan and I, kind of didn't really um, coordinate our holidays correctly together. And um, I was off for the first few weeks and then you were off gallivanting around the country for the, the last few weeks, didn't it? And we just could not get um, have space to get time in to do another podcast, could we? So that's why we've been re-releasing a few episodes in the meantime. So hopefully you've all had a good summer and you've been off and around, haven't you, Dan? Yeah, we've, I think between us we've been... We've covered the whole north of England, I would say. I think we've done a few counties between us, like, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. You think we'll be able to get at least one hour together to do a podcast, but literally it just didn't work, did it? So uh, it was, We just kept texting, like, when you're free, and you were like, oh, I'm off somewhere. And then you were like, when you're free, I'm like, I'm in Birmingham or somewhere. <laughs> it just didn't work. So, yeah, so we um, are now back. We'll have a fresh run. If anybody's got any topics they'd like us to talk about, then please let us know. But today... We are going to talk about something that both Dan and I see all the time. And that, you know, like a lot of people are wanting to get back into exercise in September. I've got this like overwhelming feeling, like after all the lockdowns and stuff that we've had. And, you know, like for us, January is our um, typical time, but for for new people to start. But that didn't happen this year because we got locked down. So I'm thinking September is going to be the time that a lot of people are starting. And I'm already feeling that with all the inquiries coming in. And our podcast topic today is mistakes that we see new people making all the time in fitness, health, wellness. So we're going to go through those today. Yeah, I've noticed, like you said, the gym industry is getting a little bit busier this time of year as well. I think with yeah. the, the schools going back in September as well, it's that kind of transition after summer going into, into autumn and into the winter months. It's kind of you do get an influx either people drop out or start up I find between the seasons as well there's definite trends with that comes a lot of mistakes and things that can which can actually be easily avoided yeah so we're going to brush up on a few and hopefully if you are a beginner or you've been doing it a while but you some of these topics you do find yourself doing in the gym or in a class or in an exercise environment then you can you can try and avoid them so hopefully they help yeah, exactly. Because what we were just saying off air, weren't we, Dan, that um, because we work in it and see it all the time, we forget that people don't know these things. Um, we just take it for granted, don't we, that we know this stuff. We've been doing it for so long and working in these environments. But when you don't, I remember not working in a gym or working as a fitness instructor and trying all the crazy things and doing all the crazy things. So it's not that way. Like we've probably done this ourselves, haven't we? Yeah, I've got a feeling every single tip that we're going to share, me and you have probably both done. Yeah. But we've just done them enough times and learned the hard way, really. And now we know a better way. So it's like anything, if you can, me and you are coaches, and if someone can listen to us and take our advice and not make those mistakes, then what? Then that's perfect. You just jump to the front of the queue, essentially, don't you? Yeah. Okay, then, Coach Dan, what's your first one? These are in no particular order. Um, there's no one that's more important than the other. We'll, we'll just go through them and, and yeah. So my first one would be overwhelming yourself. So when people, some people get an idea in the head and 
you're going to start a health and fitness plan and they might have like a bad experience. They might have an illness. They might be preparing to go on holiday. So they get, they get this idea, right? I'm going to then train. I'm going to do six days a week. I'm going to do three Pilates classes. I'm going to go mm-hmm. on a jog. I'm going to hit the weights three times. I'm only going to drink green smoothies mm-hmm. and, and grass fed yeah. sirloin steaks. I'm going to lose two stone <laughs> and I'm going to have a six pack. And it's just, it becomes so overwhelming after even the second day. It's just not sustainable. You just have to strip it back to the basics and just do the very basics really well. Instead of having that magnificent plan, which is good if you can actually pull it off, but real life doesn't work like that. Strip it back to the basics. Just find a workout you enjoy. You can do three, four times a week. Just watch what you eat, get some water, get some steps, get some good sleep, and just master that first. Get into some good habits. And then if you want to add some fancy stuff in, then do it. But as a beginner, just build the foundation. Here, here, young Dan. That is so true. I was having a um, conversation the other day with my friend um, and he is, he's overweight. Yeah, he's very overweight. And he drinks a lot. And he was saying, oh, he was going, you know, oh, I'm on a health kick. And um, he was like, I take milk thistle for my liver and I take this and I take that and I take that. And I was like, looking at him, uh, I was like, you know what? The best thing you could do is just drink water. Just get in a water habit. You don't need all this other stuff for your liver. Like everything that you're taking in, your liver has to end up processing in the end. So you're just actually stressing your liver out even more. The best thing you could do is drink water. And he's like, look, at was like, I was a lunatic. <laughs> get your foundations in place before you start putting on the extra, like we always say, like the supplements and stuff are the cherry on the cake. But if your cake shit, then, you know, no, no supplement icing, icing is going to make it any dip any better, is it? No, I've made that mistake. You get drawn in by the, the clever advertising of a supplement and that's going to fix all your problems. But meanwhile, you've got to realize that you like, look at your diet first. If your diet's crap, it doesn't matter what supplements you're going to take. <laughs> exactly. Like, like you said, but I've, I've done it. I still get tempted to this day by doing it. But I'm, like you say, I've learned from my mistakes, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. advertisers and marketers and, and salespeople, they're very good at what they do and they can make something seem very, very appealing. Yeah. So if yeah, you drink so a lot of alcohol and you eat a lot of sugar, there's the places to look. Not looking at some kind of supplement that's some skinny, shitty coffee or whatever. I think that's the actual name of it. <laughs> skinny, shitty coffee, because that's all it does. It's just a laxative, isn't it? Yeah. And it's that kind of, you you mentioned this phrase as well, that Warren was saying, yeah, that's self-mastery. Oftentimes self-mastery or just the the process of improving yourself. It's not, like we said at the start, this is for this topic, like overwhelming yourself, getting started. Often it's not starting something or adding something. The best thing you can do is take things away. Exactly. The first place to look when you're starting something is taking something away, not adding it in. Yeah, it's the stripping back. And what's that saying? We need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. Yeah. So you don't need to learn something new all the time. You just need to be reminded of what the basics are. Mm-hmm. So that's like, if we can get our head around that, you don't need this overwhelming magical plan. Just strip it back to the basics and do that consistently. And that's easier to do as well, to be honest, than learning. That is. Yeah, imagine but- learning how to do Olympic weightlifting. <laughs> very, very difficult. Learning how to be like an ad- ad- advanced in Pilates. Very difficult. Learning how to drink water and get 10,000 steps a day is very easy. So just start there. 
Yeah, don't go for the fancy stuff. Go for the basics first. Don't run before you can walk. Cool. Good, yeah. good one, Dan. Um, my one, which kind of fits in with this, is um, setting out on a path and not setting your goals or tracking tracking the goals. So if you don't know where you go, like Alice in Wonderland said, if the Mad Hatter said, if you tell us, if you don't know where you go on any road, it'll take you there. So if you haven't got a plan, like I get so many people go, I just want to get fitter, healthier, lose some weight. That's not really sending out the the vibes into your brain and into the universe as to what you actually really want to do. How are you going to break that down? How does that look? How does that look every day? How does it look every hour? What are you going to do to, to do that every day to work towards those goals? It's like getting that big picture and then breaking it down to every day and, and and people just don't do that. They go, like you said, yeah, I'm going to eat steak and drink green smoothies. But why? What's their goal? Why do they want to do it? And sometimes people just go, ah, oh, because I want to fit into my jeans. But why do you want to fit in your jeans? And then if you keep asking, you know, the, we've talked about the seven level whys. Why, 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 why do you want to fit in your jeans? Because, and then it sometimes comes down to things like self-esteem because all my friends fit into their jeans and I feel like the fat one and then that's a confidence and self-esteem issue and so it's it boils down if you can boil it down to right to those emotional level things then that's more of a driver than just like yeah I'm going to get fit I'm going to lose some weight set your goals track against them every day every month what you're going to do break it down yeah like you said if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there it's like these people have they have good intentions they're, mm. they're starting and want to be healthy and for lack of a better term kind of the the compass is pointed kind of in the right direction you would say but it's still like there's still a lot of scope to still go the wrong way mm. um, and there's a lot of obstacles in the way so yeah if you get clear of exactly where you want to go and have the right intention behind it and then choose your path then you can just attack and you can get there faster as well and when obstacles come then You've got more of a clearer way to, to overcome them. And with tracking, tracking is a huge one. If it can be measured, it can be managed. If you if you track your sleep, if you track your water intake, if you track calories, if you just keep a food log. Um, I know you were doing a food log over the over the summer, and that brings awareness as well. So then you can see if you're doing something wrong. If you do something right, you can say, oh, well, that's why I did it right. You have proof, you have evidence, you have data. So that's really important. It's probably a little bit harder to do if you do more of a like a, a creative activity, like um, I don't know, like dancing or like a team sport. It's a little bit harder compared to I don't know weightlifting where you've got reps and numbers and sets and things like that. But there's still a way to track it. You, when you're in training, you can, you can still track what you're doing. You can still track mm-hmm. food. You can track sleep. So that that feedback is is very important as well. I find this there's some people more than others. Some people love that data driven kind of um, outcome based things but it definitely works and it just oh totally yeah it reinforces what you're doing well and it just um it just highlights what you're not doing well yeah well i wrote a new protocol for my core club members um who wanted to know what i did to lose like i can't remember how many inches it was that i've lost now off my belly it's probably all come back now but <laughs> I'll get back to it. So I wrote a new protocol. And the first week of the protocol is not changing anything about your diet, but writing everything down and trying not to make any changes. Because it's really hard when you start tracking not to make any changes because you start thinking, oh, well, I've got to write that bar of chocolate down now. Mm. <laughs> 
then you're only lying to yourself. You're like, I'm not bothered if they they write down, you know, that they've had a bar of chocolate. But it's that whole tracking of it. It really makes a difference. And as an old statistician, one of our favourite things was if it gets measured, it gets done. So the more you measure, the more if you really, really want to make some good changes, track what you're eating. If you want to lose weight, track what you're eating. That's it. Yeah, and with the whole thing of me and you've made these mistakes ourselves, I've done it when I when I've been uh, tracking calories and doing food logs, and you, you you fall off the off the wagon a little bit, and you have uh, I know you have some alcoholic drinks or some bad food. You should still put that into your log, but when it comes yeah. to writing it down, you think ah, no one will know. Like it's <laughs> no one's watching you, no one's judging you. But yourself, but you still do it. I think oh, I'm not I'm not writing that. Like it yeah. doesn't matter because that's that's not everyday life. Um, what's about you writing it down when it's only once a week but you would write the the healthy mail down so you should really write the bad <laughs> mail down it's yeah. weird it's just that, that, that human condition we have it's, I know, it's you're only telling me and you've both done it yeah yeah one of my friends dad's used to be the heart consultant for uh, Durham and uh, he said that anytime he asked anybody well, how much alcohol they drank he would just double it. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, I totally agree. Because we totally lie. We lie to ourselves. So how are we going to tell a doctor how much we drink? Because we can't even tell ourselves how much we drink. So it's, uh, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that we do that? But it's just human nature. Yeah, like if someone says to me, "I've got an hour every day to exercise," I just think, "No, you haven't. You haven't got an hour every day. <laughs> There's no way." <laughs> If you've got kids, if you've got dogs, if you've got a job, there's no way you've got an hour every day to exercise. It's just not on. <laughs> yeah. And even if you don't have all those things, you probably don't have the energy sometimes because if you exercised yeah. for six days in a row for an hour at the right intensity by day seven, you'd be so tired. You just, you wouldn't have that hour essentially, would yeah. you? And it's so detrimental to your own body as well to continually push it like that. It's, you need yeah. rest as well. Absolutely. And that's a, one of the things that newbies do as well is rest. They forget about that bit. And then yeah. the body forces them to rest by injury, getting injured. Yeah, injuries, the chance of injury goes up. The sense of enjoyment goes down. It's a lose-lose. And, and it can be a difficult one when you when you get into something new, and you, especially when you start to see results. It's that kind of compound effect. You just want to do it more and more and more. You start getting compliments. People start noticing that you feel better, you look better. So you think, well, rest. I'm not going to rest. Look at all these great results I'm getting. And that's that's kind of a, one of those weird hurdles that comes along, kind of not mm. at the start. It's more kind of maybe halfway through the process, and it's it's a difficult one. I've I've hit this loads of times where you really enjoy what you're doing, and you just want to keep going, but your body's telling you to rest. But you've created such a good habit and such a good plan, and you're getting results that you think, well, if I rest, it's going to throw me off. But really, rest is exactly what you need. That's not a physical challenge; it's it's a mental challenge. And then when you adhere to that rule correctly and you have two or three days rest or even a week off and you come back and you look better, you feel stronger, you perform better. And logically you're thinking, well, how does that work? I haven't done it for a week, but it's just physiologically your body needs to rest. You kind of just redline the engine all the time. So that that fits in perfectly for overdoing it at the beginning. And that, like I said, that's just not learners. It's not newbies. I still do it to this day sometimes. You get into such a good habit, you just want to keep going. but. It's like two steps forward, one step back a lot of the time. Yeah, and also you reach the valley of despair and the plateau of doom. Once the plateau of doom hits, because I find this all the time with people, they get such, you know, the most maximum gains that you get are usually in the first six weeks of exercise and aren't they going to get like, 
you're going to feel good, you're going to lose the inches. And that's going to happen within the first six to eight weeks of starting an exercise program. But then you hit the plateau of doom. And that's where most people stop. And they go, right, like after two months, they could probably keep it up. But then it stops when the when you hit the plateau. Like this is an example for me, right? So I was on a really strict gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free, everything free. Food, food free. <laughs> Joy free <laughs> um, program for like six months. And I didn't lose one inch in that six months. But on the seventh month, on the seventh hour of the seventh, on the seventh month, things started to shift and then they shifted quickly. But how many people would have given up after like a month, two months, you know, when you're not seeing any kind of change? Because that's what happens as you get older, you don't. But you have to keep going. You have to keep plowing on. And there was times when I was thinking, ah, oh, this is not working. I hate my life. It's time I want to eat an egg. And then, <laughs> but I didn't. And I stuck to it. And then and then it happened, the changes happened and they happened really quickly. And within a couple of months, it was like suddenly my whole body shape transformed. But how many people would not have like it's like um, that whole ice cube melting thing? It melts at a certain temperature as you gradually open oh, the temp. Yeah, yeah. You've got to take a longer time to get to the temperature. It's something in atomic habits, that one. So yeah, you've got to be consistent. Yeah, we live in a quick fix mentality uh, society as well, don't we? Mm. That's why it's it's interesting. I've been reading a good book lately, like a business book, and this guy was talking about um, fast beats free. So as an example, like a, you can go and do personal training, you can go and see a fitness coach, and it might take a year to get you where you want to be to, to lose the pounds. And that might cost you, if you can afford it, not too much really. You can even join a gym for cheaper. You can do workouts at home for free. He says, but that might take a year, might take two years, or you can go and pay 50 grand for liposuction and you can get there in a week. But we both know which one's better for you. It's that whole, you have to have a long-term commitment to it. Okay, it's not going to happen overnight. And you were saying, initially, you're going to get all the results very quick. Mm-hmm. But then you might you might get to 75% of where you want to be, but that final 25% takes more and more and more effort. It's like for someone who wants to, I don't know, run the 100 meters five seconds quicker. So you start a training program. You're probably going to gain the extra four seconds really quick, but that final second to bring your time down might take... 25 years. 25 years, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the world record's only broken by 0.1 of a second. Then these athletes collectively probably train 10,000 hours to get there. Yeah. It's like uh, Usain Bolt said, I trained for 25 years to run nine seconds. <laughs> exactly yeah but the first time he ever ran that race he might it might have didn't take him nine seconds it might have took him 19 seconds yeah exactly but he'll he'll have gained 90 probably 90 95 percent of his progress within the first couple of months maybe but then those little adjustments yeah so that's and that's where the profession that's where you're either an amateur or you're a professional because the professional will turn up and do the job day in day out whether it's raining whether the you know, the wind's blowing in a northeasterly direction. It do, does not care. Just you get in, you get stuck in, you do it day in, day out. You do not get distracted. Whereas an amateur would go, nah, nah, I'm not seeing any benefits now. I better have that skinny, shitty coffee, you know, get yeah. the quick fix in. But, it's the boring, you know. the boring stuff, which is the most effective. You're either committed or you're just interested. That's the difference between amateur and pro. Yeah, You can all be exactly. interested in stuff. I'm interested in things. 
but like, I'm not pursuing them. It's like a hobby or an interest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're either committed or you're just interested. So making that definition, having a plan, sticking to it, be consistent mm-hmm. and realize that there are going to be challenges. It's And keep going when it gets boring because it gets boring. Yeah. Oh, it does, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. really boring. You know, it's boring turning up at the gym or the studio every day or three times a week. It's boring eating foods that aren't sugary and gluteny. You know, I'd love to eat a cake. And sometimes I do. But, you know, on the on the whole, I don't. So it's, yeah. I think when it becomes boring, that's like, that's a sign that you're doing it right. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? You're on the road. Like that's, and, you're on the road, but eventually when you start getting results, then the boring just becomes worth it. And then it doesn't seem boring anymore because yeah, exactly. you're getting the desired results. Getting, getting the it's, desired it's, results. It's strange, yeah. But that's when you know where self-mastery kicks in because that's the challenge to you, to your life, your habits, your if you can keep going when it gets boring, then then you've got self-mastery mastered. Yeah. It's like you've you've conquered the you're really starting to conquer the physical aspect. And then when it gets boring, it's right. It's like the whatever the universe saying, right? I can see you've got this physical aspect under control. Now I'm going to challenge you mentally and emotionally. So it's just that you're just leveling up yourself on different levels. Yeah. And boredom is a part of that. Like you say, it's so much more enjoyable eating sugary, unhealthy foods. It, we're quite healthy people, but I still enjoy alcohol and pizza and cake. Like who doesn't enjoy that? Like yeah, it's, exactly. your body gets these signals of dopamine. It's almost impossible to not enjoy it, but it's um, foregoing that short-term pleasure for long-term results because we know it, it makes us better. Sac- like you just sacrifice today's happiness for tomorrow's if you just eat cake every day. You know yeah. you're going to be happier in the long run if you just forego that two minutes of mouth pleasure. You're going to get better results. Too right, Dan. Anyway, <laughs> we're on fire today. We've come back with a, with a zinger. <laughs> yeah. Right, what's your um, next one then? My next one is not warming up or stretching, like skipping the, the boring bits. <laughs> like no. even I always tell like a beginner, like don't really think they value the warm up, but warm up's really valuable because that's getting your movement patterns in, getting your neurons firing, blood circulating, brain fired up, all of that kind of stuff, all of that good stuff. And then stretching. I think a lot of people just want to skip the stretchy, stretchy bits and go to the heavy weights and do all that stuff. So yeah that's me guilty as charged yeah you don't i'm good, like I'm good with the warm-up but the stretches after yeah it's definitely something i need to incorporate but What's with the warm-up <laughs> yeah, yeah with the warm-up i think for from kind of my perspective with the kind of weight training i understand it can be a little bit boring but there's an easy way to do it like you can do a general full body warm-up you know what i mean just prepare your mind just prepare your body but just whatever exercise you're going to do just do it at 50% of the weight for 50% of the, yeah. the reps. So if you're going to, whatever, lift 50 kilos on the bench press, just do 25 kilos for six reps and then maybe do 75% of the weight for 75% of a working set. So you've done two good warm-ups and there's no extra effort really. You're still doing the same exercise. It feels like you're working out, but you, you're just ramping up to what your working set would be. So I, I don't know how you would translate that into kind of a Pilates environment, but for weights, it's actually quite easy, to be honest. Yeah, well, for plies, we tend to um, always start with posture, get our postures in check, because posture is 80% remembering to be in good posture. So um, if you just remind your body as often as you can, and then warm up all the joints, start with the feet and work our way up. 
and then just start putting some different planes of movement in. I once had a, a lady who said, I really like your classes, but like, I don't like warming up. <laughs> Why do I have to do the warm up? And I'm like, but because that's part of the, you know, you wouldn't be able to do the rest of the stuff if you didn't warm up properly. You'd probably get injured. She was just yeah. like, didn't get it. It's so, funny because if you just, if you didn't tell people they were doing a warm up and you said it was just part of the class, they probably would do it. Yeah. Yeah, I probably don't tell them. And then we just transition into like balance and coordination. But it's all that kind of stuff, isn't it? That's warming up. But really important stuff, especially as you get older, you need balance and coordination and get your neurons in your brain firing and stuff. Yeah. So, for instance, if you're going to do, in my environment, if you're going to do a heavy set of deadlifts, as you get older, that might be the only exercise you're going to do in the gym. You might just do a deadlift session. You might only be doing, I don't know, four sets. But you might be at the gym for 45 minutes because you might, you might need a full body warm up. Exactly. If yeah. you're getting old and you have a desk job or you might have a few old injuries, you might feel as though it takes you 20, 30 minutes to really feel prepared enough to do a, a really big compound mm-hmm. exercise. So sometimes the, the warm up becomes the workout. Yeah, exactly. The, the vast majority of it. But and then on cold you days, do, you probably need to warm up more, hot days less. So, so as you like, it changes as the year progresses. Sometimes I get a load of injured people in who'd probably need to warm up more. Sometimes I get like lots of non injured people who probably need to warm up less. So, it depends on your class and on the temperature and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what people don't really realize, do they? When you're actually teaching a class, all the things that you're assessing just all the variables. All the variables, yeah, that you assess without them even think they don't think about the temperature outside too much. Um, yeah, so not warming up or stretching. Yeah, good one. Um, so my next one. So this is probably progressing from being a total beginner. With mm-hmm. most of the tips we've mentioned are for total beginners. So as you do start to get better, then you need to what is sounds like a real technical term, but you need to add in some progressive overload, which is a fancy term for just saying you need to make it harder for yourself because your body is very intelligent and it'll just adapt to whatever you're doing. So if you're doing three Pilates classes a week and you kind of, you're mastering those basic moves, then your body will become really efficient and you'll be in the, like you say, in the first six weeks, for instance, you'll start losing weight. You'll start gaining lean muscle, your coordination will improve, but you'll get to a point where that same beginner's Pilates class, Pilates class then becomes too easy. And your body doesn't have to adapt. It can just do it automatically. So mm-hmm. progressive overload is just adding a little bit of an extra challenge onto your body. So it, it forces it to adapt. And this is really important. You can do it in any exercise. You can do it in running. You can do it in weight training. So for weight training, all you do is you, you just adjust the variables. So if you're doing, again, bench press at 50 kilos, after six weeks, 50 kilos becomes easy. So you go up to 52 and a half. If you're running, if you're, if you're doing a 1.5 mile run, just do 1.75 miles or just try and do your 1.5 miles in a minute faster. You just have to challenge your body, but the key is to not challenge it too much. Don't make it impossible. Just maybe five or 10% harder when you, and then when you hit that target, make it five to 10% harder. Really, really important. So that's for people who've progressed from the beginner stage and then they find it too easy. They have to uh, add in some progressive overload. But the trick is to not do it too early, okay? Which is another one of our tips which kind of fits in, is that putting the ego aside, okay? Don't be an ego exerciser. Like you've said in, in Pilates, especially with men, I think men are really guilty of this. 
don't because someone else can do something doesn't mean you have to do it okay <laughs> crawl before you can walk before you can run before you can sprint okay just because it looks good and someone else can do it doesn't mean you're there yet okay you will get there if you just do progressive overload at your pace that's really exactly. important so for progressive overload in a Pilates class, we would use, um, we well, can use this in weights and anything as well. We use tempo, speed, um, you know, hold isometric contractions. So holding things for longer in a static position, um, those kind of things are all progressive overloads. And I always teach in um, layers. So you always say, right, we're going to start, like get the base movement right. Now, if you want to, if you want to take it up a notch, we're going to add some arm coordination and want to take it up another notch we're going to add some balance challenging and then so so I'm constantly challenging my classes but then yeah like you say it's always men usually always men come and they try and do the hardest thing like that I've taken years to learn how to do and they go right yeah I'm just gonna do that you know and and you just think and they're all, ugh, I don't know, they're all wrong. Like, <laughs> they're, you know, they're doing a plank, let's say a plank, classic plank that you see done wrong. Do you see that most in classes as well? Squats and planks and bends, I always Press see. ups, yeah. Press ups as well, yeah. So they start doing planks, let's say, and then their butts in the air and their shoulders are all not aligned up and their head's sticking up or hanging down. And, and you're just like, and then, <laughs> you go and crack them and then you come back and like you really want to say actually just strip it all back and just do the basic one that I've taught you but no because there's ladies in the class doing it then they think that they have to do it as well so men yeah. if you're listening don't always go for the hard one go for the you know the easier option first until you get that really right because as a man as men our precious ego says we're gonna we're gonna conquer the world we are the best at everything we need no practice we will dominate and rule in whatever exactly. we do. We go, against, we go against all wisdom. We can just do it. And mm-hmm. yeah, we can't. So we need definitely need some some yin. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is it's definitely a young thing because it's just happens all the time. And I'll even say to people, like, stop doing that. And then the next thing I'll turn around and then I'll look at them and I'll go like, I'll try to make it because of their injury. So I'll say, right. Steve or whoever because of your lower back problems please don't do this exercise and then they're not turned around and they're still doing it <laughs> like I told you not to do it it's like well yeah. I just thought I'd have a try see if I could yeah. <laughs> I'm like no you probably can do it but you shouldn't that's the point <laughs> yeah it, it probably comes from a a good place in some regards because people are enjoying themselves the they want to do the exciting kind of good looking stuff I do get it again, but I have done it. And this goes in like probably my, my next point as well. They all kind of tag in is like incorrect technique, which is what you've spoke about. But in, um, in the check system, I remember learning this from Paul check and finding it fascinating when he was saying the, the body remembers traumatic events far more than it remembers kind of non-traumatic events. So when that relates to training for weight training, for instance, if you're doing a set of, I don't know, 12 bicep curls. And then you get to number 11 and your technique's really starting to fail, but you think, I doesn't care, I'm going for the 12th one. And you do the worst rep possible and you use momentum and you cheat and the weight's obviously too heavy. Your chances of injury goes up, but your body remembers that traumatic 12th rep a lot more than it remembered the first really good 11 ones. So you just, you've put that 
motor program into your body, into your brain, which means the next time you come to the gym and you're going to do another set of bicep curls, you've got more chance of doing it incorrectly because your body's now stalled this incorrect pattern. So just stop when your technique's just about to fail. Okay, yeah. leave leave a little bit in the tank. You're better off doing over the year, you bet you're probably going to get another 40, 50 workouts through not being injured. And that's where you're going to see more progress than just doing one terrible rep at the end of every set. Mm. It becomes counterproductive. But again, it's it's putting the ego aside. It's so common as well. Really is so, so oh, it, common. It is. Yeah. I've got a client who we always have to finish on a good rep. So if <laughs> if her technique's failing, because she's getting tired. And um, then I'll say, stop. We have to then go back and do one, just one good one after she's had a rest so that her brain remembers it. Because if we don't do that, next week she'll come back and do it wrong. It's like bizarre. It's her muscle memory just has to do the last one, has to be a really good one. (laughs) Yeah, and in a perfect world, everyone would just stop when when they're tired. I kind of understand it a little bit because, well, I I understand it a lot and and I have done it, but... Yeah, if your technique's failing just a little bit, but you feel as though the benefit's going to outweigh the little bit of a poor technique, I don't even want to put a percentage on it. But yeah, I kind of understand it. But if your technique's just totally gone to shit, <laughs> you're not even doing the same exercise anymore, then yeah, you, you should have stopped. So one of my next one, I don't know what number we're up to now, I've lost count, um, is this is a classic, this one, I think. It's an, another man thing, predominantly men, but women do it too is going back to the stuff that you did as a child and just like you 10, 20 years later down the line and thinking that you can just redo it and just fit in and it'll all come back. Like for men, I find it's going to play football. Uh, if you play football young and then you go back and play football as a 30, 40, 50 year old, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> not the same. It all comes from good intentions because I think we've mentioned in another podcast before, sometimes getting back to things you enjoyed as a child is really good for you. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's it's really good. You obviously had a passion for it at some point, Mm -hmm. but it comes with a sense of like realism as well. If it was like stamp collecting or (laughs) playing the the guitar, (laughs) but when it's sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You have to realize you're physiological, you're, you're different. You know, your physiology is different. Yes. So the, I think the two that come to mind, you said football and rugby, like those are really common. But if you're going to do it, I would probably say start a training program three months, six months before you're going to start and just get your body <laughs> used to exercising in that way again. And then, because then when you do play the sport, obviously the, the intensity is going to be higher because there's going to be a competitive element. So get your body prepared first, lower your expectations and play at a lower standard. And, mm. and just still play for the enjoyment and spend more time on recovery, like you say, warm up and, and recovery after, because you're going to need so much more of that. Um, and the other one is kind of weightlifting. Mm-hmm. So the one that springs to mind for me is, again, particularly men, they have, they'll lift weights in the teenage years and, the, and through the 20s. Then they start a family and the, the child, they have a son, his son gets to 18 and he wants to show him how to lift weights. So they go to the gym. So the dad stacks on the bench press. When I was in my twenties, I used to lift hundred kilos. So they go in there, no warm up, start crack, try and crank out hundred kilos, and the body just hasn't done it for twenty years. It's totally changed. They don't have the same strength. They don't have the same testosterone or hormones, and they cripple themselves for the next two weeks. And then they spend a lot of money coming to see me to fix them. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if they just took a sensible approach 
and went to the gym. You can still do that stuff, but just back off the intensity and try and be a good role model for the younger generation. But very common again, men. I feel as though men are getting a bit of a bad rap in this men one. Are getting, men are getting dissed. Oh, I like men coming to my classes. Men are good, good crack. But yeah, they do have their own. Teaching a class full of men is totally different to teaching a class full of women. Have you ever taught a class full of just men? Uh, not just, no. I've had a class where it's predominantly men, but there has been women in there as well. When there's more men in a class, it definitely gets a lot more competitive. You can just I tell. I like teaching men. There's, yeah, it's just totally a vibe. different. There's just yeah. a vibe in the place, yeah. And it's, um with men, I find they like the big power moves, like, you know, things like squats and lunges and planks, you know, things where strength is required. Whereas with uh, women, would probably do, if I, if for men, if I do the more mobility and flexibility stuff, then they really struggle with that. Um so I always throw some stuff in that they're good at for their ego, but then sneak in the stuff that they actually need. <laughs> yeah, what is it you said before? Men are men are dumb trucks and women are sports cars or something. Yeah, Ferraris. <laughs> men are dumb trucks. You can throw anything at men and they'll just do it and they'll just plow on through. Whereas women, we've got all these like hormones and things shooting out of us. And yeah, we're much more of a finely tuned instrument. Yeah, men are just more like uh, Neanderthals, just a 21st century setting. <laughs> you just need to like lug some heavy weights around and men are quite happy. <laughs> yeah, just give them a log and a rock. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah, no, I like training men, I do, I really do. This. And the thing with men as well, which they're really good at, is if you, you say to them, right, okay, to fix your back, you need to do this, this and this every day. And I can guarantee that if a man will come back to me a week, two weeks, a month later, and said, I've done this. And I'll say, have you done it? And they'll say, yeah, I've done it every day. And I'll say, have you back? Has your back improved? And they'll go, yes, it's all well. Say that to a woman, and they'll go, well, I did it for the first week. And then um, such and such happened. And then I had to go and do this. And then this happened. And has your back improved? Well, no, not really. <laughs> like, you know, that's the difference. Oh, yeah. And I'm not just women because we have got lots of stuff on as well. But yeah, men tend to, if you give them a focus, especially if they've got an injury, they will do it. Whereas women, they'll do it when they've got time. But Yeah, that, that reminds me, I used to watch a comedian called uh, Chris Rock. And he says, like, it's, it's the, the skit is the difference between men and women, but it's how they would tell stories. <laughs> so it's like when a man tells a story, it was like, I was in the bar and then... My friend Steve said this, so I punched him, and then we left. And then the next day, we had a pint, and we were fine. But with a woman, it's like, well, you have to understand. I was on the phone to my mom, and then you know, work's been so stressful, and then the the kids, and then I was hormonal. It's totally like that, yeah, with exercise <laughs> and a routine, because women find it so much harder because we've just got so much stuff going on and hormonally <laughs> i know it's like a cliche but it's true <laughs> and uh men just i don't know they just get on with it and i laugh <laughs> i want to say to some women sometimes just get on with it be a bit more young because mm. i might be young and i'm i've got quite a lot of young energy around me and uh in me <laughs> so i think uh, sometimes that's what a lot more women need that strike up a balance yeah it's a balance Okay, um, my next one is people come into exercise 
and they don't think about the long term. Now, um, you know that, like, I love Labradors, and I've just had, got a new Labrador puppy, who I think is going to be a beast because his paws are like the size of my current Labrador, and he's only nine weeks old. <laughs> I think I've got the Hobbit of Labradors. Um, so, I, you know that my training strength program is to always be stronger than a Labrador, which is quite, that means I've got to be quite strong so I can keep having Labradors. But people go into fitness and health and they don't think about what it is they actually want to do. And then they get an exercise program, which might not be specific for enough for what they want to do. Do you know what I mean? If people want to go gardening, then maybe a Zumba class once a week is not really going to get them gardening fit, you know? So you've got to be specific. What's your long-term goals? What's the specific, what's that, what's that word? I can never say it. Specificity. Specificity. <laughs> you, you're close. <laughs> specificity. Yeah, specificity of exercise related to your long-term goals. Yeah, you can you can exercise just for enjoyment if you feel as though you, you have a healthy life and you don't have like a particular fitness or certain goal. You can come and do a Zumba class or a Pilates class just because you like doing it. You can go and lift yeah. weights just because you like doing it. But yeah, if you have a plan, if you want to go and climb Kilimanjaro, mm. then yeah, doing one rep maxes on the deadlift is probably not going to get you towards that goal. Okay, yeah, there's the, the body's so complex, it adapts to different stimulus and different variables in different ways. So know what your goal is, and it'll, it'll definitely be a really efficient plan and program to get there. So that's where coaches come in really handy. Tell them mm. what you want, and they'll show you the best way to get there. To get there, yeah. yeah. That was going to be one of my points, actually. Go and see a professional, me and Dan, for example. Yeah, because Lee and Jill have, and obviously lots of coaches out there, we've done it both ways. We've learned from really intelligent people who are like the, the best in the in the field, and we've also made all the stupid beginner mistakes as well. Mm. So like we've, we've kind of done both, which is part of any journey, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the times when you make mistakes, it's through enthusiasm as well, and because you're interested and you learn from your mistakes. But then when you you pay intelligent people who've also made mistakes and figured out the best way to do it, then you, you kind of fast track your progress, which is where coaches come in. You can probably figure stuff out for free by yourself, but you you're probably going to get discouraged. You're probably going to do it wrong. There's so much information out there that <clears throat> it becomes overwhelming. So if you can figure out where you want to be, a coach will just show you how to get there really effectively and really efficiently, especially with me and Jill. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shortcut. you got to pay for it, but it is a bit of a shortcut because then you'll get to know that you're doing it right. Yeah, pay to get the front of the queue. Exactly. My analogy when that, with that is um, you went Alton Towers over the summer, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you can buy the fast pass to get yes. to <laughs> to get to the front of the queue. That's like any coaching... Okay, if you're in business, if you want to learn how to do, I don't know, Facebook advertisement, you can go on YouTube and you can figure out a free way to do it. But there's probably so much information out there, crap information. You might get there eventually. Okay, it's a big question mark. Or you can go and pay someone who is really, really um, experienced and has a track record. It's going to cost you, but you're going to get there quicker and more efficiently. Yeah. So it's the same with exercise. It's the same with, with anything, really. There's coaches out there. And these coaches have probably made the mistakes and learned the best way to do it. This is why they can charge for it. 
Get what you pay for. Yep. Have you got any more? I've got one more. Um, actually, I've got two more. Um, what my next one is um, moving from one exercise to the other. I see this in um, Pilates all the time. It's the transition. So people will get set up perfectly in an exercise and then they transition to the next exercise. <laughs> I find the beginners, like I've already got up and started moving on to the next exercise and the beginners are all still like trying to get up off the floor and <laughs> turn over and stuff. And then um, that's not a bad thing because it is beginners. But I find that people get injured more by not transitioning correctly from one exercise to the other because they're kind of like freestyling. And, um, you know, we'll have a beautiful exercise. It'll all be set up perfect alignment. And then when we finish, they just collapse in a heap or like lift, try to twist and lift themselves up badly. So transition. You probably see this in the gym as well, where they're just doing their beautiful, I don't know, bicep curl and then just drop the weight or... Yeah, it's just so it's so frustrating. Yeah, you see, if you can if you can lift that heavy weight off the floor ten times in a row, and then on number eleven you just launch it across the gym on the floor, you think, well, why are you doing that? You're just proving you can lift it up perfectly ten times. Why do you need to chuck it on the floor? Yeah, <laughs> it's just silly, isn't it? It's such yeah. such a common one in a gym. That one, yeah. I like getting in and out of the machines, I guess, as well. You know, like um, you know those leg press things and stuff. Like, mm. People just like get in and out, like in a really bad way, don't they? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like twisting, and then they go in and do a beautiful leg press, and then twist out of it. And that's probably when you get like people always say, "I, I wasn't doing anything when I got injured, like sneezing or something." But it's actually all the little things that you're not doing right in the in, during the day that probably yeah. ended up, and those are the kind of things. Most people, when they when they hurt the back, it's like tying the shoelaces or picking a yeah. pencil off the floor. Sneezing, or something. coughing, yeah. sneezing, that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you were going to do a deadlift, then you're mentally prepared to do it. Though you you kind of set your body up, you set your physiology up, you get mentally prepared for it. But then when you just go to tie your shoelaces, you're not thinking about it really. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely one of those. So that's that's and then my last one is you know what? Having said all this about the newbies they're doing much better because they've started and the people who really this one does my head in a lot is what the people who talk a talk and say I'm going to start but I need to lose some weight or I'm going to start when such and such happens I'm going to start when you know the leaves turn a slightly orange shade in the trees and it's just like for god's sake just start All yeah. those things are going to happen anyway. Just start. And then, you know, if you're got if you waiting to start a class to lose weight, that is a completely pointless exercise because starting the class would help you lose the weight quicker. Yeah, procrastination, it's it's a killer. Just start. It's never, ever going to be perfect. That is the first hurdle is, is just like telling yourself the first 10 classes are going to be horrible. I'm going to look the worst in the class. I'm yeah. going to be sore. Like that is part of it. And yeah, kudos to people who who are beginners in the they allow themselves to be a beginner and allow and yourself to be a yeah. beginner and allow yourself to learn and to take advice and just to go through all that pain <laughs> because yeah. you know you're gonna get it's you know what I, I I've got a coach and she always says it's a choice. Whatever you're doing in your life, you are choosing to do it. So if you're overweight that choice is a hard choice like it's hard to be overweight your joints ache you don't feel like doing anything it's really hard to be overweight but that is your choice you're choosing that and but it's also it's hard to be fit 
because you have to exercise, you have to eat healthy, you have to like, but that's also a choice. So whatever you're choosing in life, it's your choice. Yeah, and it comes down to the, the short-term pleasure or the, the long-term fulfillment. There's a, a saying I come across recently, which was, it relates this perfectly about that procrastination and it comes it comes down to regret as well because the longer time goes on you're not promised tomorrow like if mm. do you want to get to the end of your life and then regret just not starting and just suffering the first few months of being a beginner and and being uncomfortable it does get easier when once it becomes habitual it does um yeah but there was a saying I'm, i might butcher this but it was the only hell i fear is when i die i meet the man I am today meets the man I could I have been. Become, yes. I really like that. Uh-huh. I don't know who it was. Or I might have got I think it was on one wrong, of Paul Cech's podcasts, but I don't think it was him saying it. It was somebody else. But it's, yeah, it, it's just, essentially, it's just about procrastination and not going mm-hmm. for what you you know is right. You put it off and put it off. Like you say, you just, what is it, James Clear? If you're 1% better every day, you're 37 times better in a year. That's That's astounding how much better you will be. Okay, and it might only be losing five or ten pounds, but that might make such a difference in the way you feel, the way you the way you treat yourself, the way your relationships are. Yeah, just just start, and it's not easy, but it will be worth it. Absolutely, that's our rousing call at the end. Come on, September folks, get in, get off your summer holiday mode, and into the gym, into the classes, and just do it. I mean, God. Somebody made a big logo out of that, didn't they? September is the new January. I think that should be our new logo. Yeah, September. Come on. Just F and do it. Jedi. Cool. So that's our first one back after our little summer Yay! vacation. Yay! back. So hopefully you've enjoyed this, everyone. So we are going to be releasing new, new content every Monday from now until the next time we're going on a <laughs> nationwide tour. Tour. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Jill said, if you've got any topics you want us to talk about, then let us know, give us some feedback. And uh oh, oh, new development of where you can find us. We're now on Audible. Oh yeah. We uh we didn't think we'd possibly be able to reach any more platforms. <laughs> but there's another We're one. Now there. On Audible. So if you um look up Small Business Whole Health Podcast on Audible, you will find us on there. Yay. Yeah, so there's definitely no excuses now. There's no hiding place. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Bye.